Yeah, so it seems we're live and nobody is back here watching. So uh, I'm just going to hold that up. And it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all things, in all circumstances. That seems to be very good advice under the circumstances. So let me talk about the work. The work is um, a work of preaching the gospel. And I, by God's grace, have been appointed, I believe, to be an evangelist to preach the gospel but i do have to do all technical stuff as well i'm not good at it as you can see so i do ask your indulgence and forgiveness um it's a lot of work to do and i'm going to get it right but getting it wrong looks bad but in all circumstances in all circumstances give thanks yep in all circumstances so i particularly want to talk about the restoration and salvation of israel we've been considering that thank you for returning i'm very grateful um and thank you to the Lord. Father, thank you for um, blessing us in all circumstances. And uh, Lord, whilst I must take responsibility for uh, the technical glitches, at the same time, I worship and praise you. And thank you that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purposes. So we ask for your blessing on this time. And we ask for encouragement from the scriptures in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So we want to talk about the restoration of Israel to the land, the current nation of Israel, and whether God has any further plan for Israel. And this is a really important topic. Uh, good evening again, Sonia and Flora. The Lord bless you as well. Um, I really don't know what happened to the technology. I'm going to have to find out. So Disciples of Jesus Ministries, welcome. Um, but uh, there are Christ different Christian views on the nation of Israel. And some of you will come from a background where Everybody you know has the same view, but there is a very wide view that Christians have on the nation of Israel. Some say that Israel can do no wrong and the Jews can be saved through Judaism. That's a, that's a serious error. They can only be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, just as we can only be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And some say God has dis, dis, um, discharged the Jews. He has no further plan for them. But nothing taking place in the world today with respect to the Jews um, is found in the scripture. I thoroughly disagree with that view, but I know a lot of people who hold it. It's important that as Christians, we recognize that we're not saved or lost based on our view of eschatology, of biblical prophecy, or on our views of Israel, but that we're saved or lost depending on our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Having said that, often I think sparks can fly up between Christians who differ on different views of eschatology. I know people who feel very, very strongly that God has no further plan for the people of Israel, that the church has replaced Israel totally. I cannot hold that view myself. Um, but we are to be gracious to those we disagree with. Um, yes, Flora, you said, Flora says that it's, it's amazing how Spurgeon predicted the restoration of Israel, and others did in the 19th century. And that took faith. Um, the commentaries I've been looking at um, this commentator seemed to think that it was impossible. And of course, it certainly looked impossible for Israel to return to the land. It seemed like, how could this nation be born again? How could it be born in a day in 1948 when Israel was reconstituted as a nation? Now, my hope is this, to show you that the idea or the belief of that Israel has been reestablished as a nation in the land of Israel um, as a sovereign nation is very much rooted in Scripture very much rooted in prophecy in the Old and New Testaments. And uh, well, well, Jason, I would encourage you to read prophecy and read it and read it. Um, uh, I'm not 
sometimes not having a firm stance is better than having a firm stance and being wrong if you see what i mean and um it's a complex subject but we are blessed and encouraged when we read bible prophecy isaiah 66 well i'll have to look at that um Yes, well, those who tremble at God's word in Isaiah 66. And we, we should be those who tremble at God's word. So known because we fear God and we have reverence for the word of God and we tremble at his word. That's Isaiah 66. But um, Israel, so let's, let's read, um, let's read the, the latter half of Ezekiel 37. This is um, longer than the previous readings. I'm reading in the Bible, which is the Word of God, and um, I'm reading from Ezekiel 37. We'll read from verses 11 to 28. This is the Word of God. Then he said unto me, Son of man, that these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand with the stick of Judah and make them one stick and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And David my servant shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments, and observe my statutes, and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Father, we pray that you would give us understanding and wisdom, Lord, and that this verse, this passage, this chapter would speak to our hearts. Father, show us its meaning, Lord. Speak to us and help us to understand where we are with respect to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, how great your gospel is, how great your mercy, your love, your goodness to the people of Israel, whether we are Christians grafted in, Lord, or whether we are natural uh, descendants of Abraham, Lord. Uh, uh, we pray, Father, that you would have mercy upon us and 
that the Lord Jesus Christ would be our first love. Our sins are very great. We mourn and lament over our sins, Father, that we have broken your commandments, that we are guilty, that we are not worthy of mercy, but we are worthy of condemnation. But in the blood of Jesus Christ, we find that perfect cleansing for all our sins. So, Father, we ask for that cleansing. We ask for that blood to be applied to our sinful hearts. We ask to be made clean through a living, saving faith in Jesus Christ, if we don't have it, Lord. But if we have that, Lord, we ask that we might rejoice in our Saviour, look to our Saviour, walk with our Saviour, cleave to our Saviour, and delight in that sure knowledge and certain knowledge that we are his forever, saved by the grace of God through faith in him alone. And so we commend ourselves to you now and ask that you be with us at this hour in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So, again, for those of you who just arrived, we had a few technical problems at the start, but the Lord is um, sovereign over all things. As I said, the technical problems were my fault, but the blessing came from the Lord. So um, the Lord is good to us. Uh, and um, Israel is a subject of this passage. And the whole house of Israel uh, here is being spoken of in verse 11. Um, he, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. I want to talk about a national salvation of Israel. I've decided I'm going to do a separate talk on that because there's too much material for one talk tonight. And uh, I don't want to rush through it as I have been doing. But they're the whole house of Israel. Um, and Israel in this respect it, 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 are the people of God. They are truly Israel. Um, in the Old Testament, Israel were 12 tribes who descended from Abraham uh, and descended from Isaac and uh, through Jacob. Uh, and, and they became the house of Israel, 12 tribes. And I believe that in this passage, that is what is being referred to here. Um, I'll talk about the 12 tribes shortly. But um, this passage talks about with certainty that God has a further purpose for the Jewish people. I'll call them the Jewish people as well, but for the Jewish people that God hasn't cast off his people forever, that this passage has never been fulfilled. There is no historical time since the time of Ezekiel when this passage was fulfilled. There is a hint in some commentators that this was fulfilled at the time of the return of the Jews from exile, a time that um, Ezekiel was um, living towards. And yet uh, at the same time, um, there are plenty of things in this passage which were not seen in the return from exile or even in the uh, a time when the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and his first coming into this world to, to become the saviour of the world, to be the saviour of the world. So um, at the first time um, that the Lord Jesus came into the world, he wasn't received um, as the uh, descendant of David and uh, as the Jewish Messiah. He was rejected by his people. In this passage, the Jews turn to their Messiah. They turn to their King for eternity. Uh, and that will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and the day will come when they recognize him as their Messiah and as the Christ and as the Savior who has come from God. But they didn't do that the first time he came. They despised and rejected him. They crucified him. Uh, and um, therefore, I would argue that if we're looking here at verses um, 25 or verse 24, and David, my servant, shall be king over them that on his first coming they did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their king, and they shall all have one shepherd. They did not receive him as the shepherd of their souls and as the um, shepherd of the flock of Israel at his first coming. There must be a greater, there must be a further fulfillment for the whole house of Israel found here in Ezekiel 37, although it was partly fulfilled when Jesus first came. He brought salvation, light and salvation, and life um, 
uh, to be. And um, like other prophecies in the scripture, there seems to be a dual fulfillment that the sometimes we have what's called a prophetic foreshortening where we see a part fulfillment of prophecy at the first coming of the Lord Jesus and the richest and fullest fulfillment of it at his second coming um, at the end of the age. But uh, the first time Jesus came, the Jews were in the land and they didn't, but they didn't receive him as uh, their savior. Uh, and um, uh, and they didn't, um, they, they rejected him. But uh, then there's been nearly 2000 years until now. And then Israel was reestablished in 1948. The question is, uh, after so much time, is this a fulfillment of prophecy? Are we seeing that the events in Ezekiel are taking place and that they're in the process of taking place and that they're going to have their um, absolute fulfillment in near times i believe we are and i hope to show that as we talk at this time so first of all let's consider the stick um here uh which is mentioned in this passage uh, and it talks here um we're told here for judah and his children are of israel his companions oh, so verse 16 moreover the son of man take thee one stick and write upon it for judah and for the children of israel his companions and then take another stick and write upon it for joseph the stick of ephraim and for all the house of Israel, his companions, and join them one together into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. So this prophecy is very specific. Um, it looks back to Numbers chapter 17, verse 2, in which each of the heads of the tribes of Israel were to take a stick or a staff or a scepter um, to represent their tribe. So here we have two staffs, and these sticks, they represent Israel on the one hand, on, on Judah. And we remember that after the time of Solomon, um, the nation split into two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, um, uh, in the south, and ten tribes in the north. Uh, uh, and we, we, so the nation was divided, uh, and that division had taken place. Uh, and here we have the reversal in Ezekiel 37 of that division. We have two sticks. One represents the ten tribes of the north. The other represents the two tribes of the south. And God says that these two sticks should be joined together by Ezekiel that there will come a day when there will be one, Israel will be one again. Um, and that is envisaged in this prophecy. And um, <clears throat> and so this this was very surprising for the people of Ezekiel's time. And they said, well, uh, what, wilt thou not show us what these thou meanest by these? And um, <clears throat> so, uh, and, and he goes on and, and to say how these uh, sticks um, <clears throat> will be joined together. Now, that speaks of the whole house of Israel being joined together in the land of Israel. Um, we have the land here mentioned because there are those who say Israel will never return to the land. The fact that Israel have returned to the land isn't a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. That seems to me to be ridiculous. But here in verse 11, we read um, that, uh, behold, uh, uh, not verse 11, we are here in verses 14, no, uh, yeah, yeah, verses 14, 21 and 25. For example, we read as follows. Uh, and shall put my spirit in you, verse 14, and ye shall live and I shall place you in your own land. Everybody knew what the land of Israel was and knows what the land of Israel is. So if this prophecy hasn't been fulfilled, it is a prophecy that the Jews will return or the people of Israel will return to their own land. Uh, and then in verse 21, we read, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Extraordinary, a miracle that Israel was reconstituted in 1948 in its own land. An extraordinary story. But God talks about the land. Israel is associated with the land. 
And then in verse 25 we read, And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant. The land that he gave unto Jacob his servant, he gave with an everlasting um, lease. So we can say this, that the, that the land will belong to the people of Israel for eternity. That's That's the teaching of this passage. But everybody in Israel knows what the land is. They know where the land is. Uh, and Israel has returned to the land. Uh, um, after the exile, we know that, and in Jesus' day, we know that they didn't return to the whole land. We know that we know that um, that uh, Israel was divided into the northern kingdom uh, and the southern kingdom. There was Galilee in the north, which was ruled by Herod, uh, and there was um, Judea in the south, which was governed by Pontius Pilate. We're told this in, in Luke's Gospel. And um, what we find is that um, you couldn't have said that there was one king reigning over Israel or reigning over um, the people of Israel at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ first came. Um, and maybe that also is telling us that that this is not what, when they have one king reigning over them uh, in the land, that that didn't happen the first time the Lord Jesus came. It didn't happen when they returned from the exile but now they are one nation, and now they are one people in the land of Israel, and um, they are um, they are they are not yet saved by the grace of God. I believe in the national salvation of Israel. I believe that the remnant of the Jews who are elect will be saved. Um, and it seems obvious to me that if all the Jews are saved at the end of the age and they're all in Israel, and that's one possible scenario, then that by definition would be a national salvation of the Jews. But I'll need to talk about that more in the next talk, um, in the next exposition. But either way, uh, either way, um, Israel was divided. Galilee in the north, Judea in the south, and Samaria in the middle. But now Israel are in the land. They are one nation. They are not yet governed by the Lord Jesus Christ. They have not yet turned to him, uh, uh, and they have not yet been saved from their sins uh, as a national salvation. There are Jewish people who are saved today, and there are Jewish people who are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ and recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And we thank God for every single one of um, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are Jewish. But... Um, this still has to be fulfilled. This still needs to take place. Uh, and uh, the Jews need to look on the one that they pierced and mourn for him and believe on him for the salvation of their souls. But also we had AD 70, didn't we, when there was that terrible uh, judgment which was sent by God on the unbelieving Jews when the Roman armies surrounded Jerusalem and there was a siege and there was massive destruction. That's another example of uh, a dual prophecy fulfillment uh, that... Yes, that prophecy was fulfilled in AD 70, but there are things in that prophecy which have yet to be fulfilled. And there's a day coming when God will bring all the armies of the nations, all nations will come against Jerusalem and uh, um, be dashed to pieces there. But, but so we are living in days when it appears that Ezekiel, the prophecy in Ezekiel 37 is beginning to be fulfilled gloriously in our eyes. The people, the dry bones have been brought back into the land. The land has once again been um, been uh, um, reconstituted as the nation of Israel, but they don't yet have the breath in them. They, they need God to pour out his Holy Spirit on them and revive them and uh, regenerate them and, and bring them to life, which he will through his son, Jesus Christ, at that time. We note here, though, that when the Lord Jesus reigns over them, they will 
um, forsake their idols. And um, so for verse 22 there, and I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel and one king shall be king to them all and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. Um, and we read of the people coming there, that God brings them out of the different lands and we they put away their idols when they find um, their when they find the, the Lord Jesus as their saviour. It's talking about the Lord Jesus in this passage. That's the only person it could possibly be talking about, our beloved saviour. So the question is, though, what about this question of the ten tribes? What about this question of the two sticks? One represents the ten tribes, the other one represents the two tribes of Judea, Judea, Judah and um, Benjamin. Well, um it tells us that both of these branches of Israel will return and become one stick in the physical land. And that surely has to take place for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Well, commentators will tell you this. They'll tell you that many people from different tribes were living in Judea, that the tribes were assimilated into Judea from the time of Jeroboam, when he set up golden calves in the north and south of Israel for the people to worship, and they were obliged to worship God through those calves, people were moving south into Judea from the twelve, from the ten tribes to be assimilated into Judea, to be assimilated with the tribes, uh, with, 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 with Judah and, um, uh, and Benjamin. They were, they were moving south so, so that many people moved south. Uh, and the commentators will say that, that this represents the fact that Judah um, had become representative of the 12 tribes, all 12 tribes. We have an example of this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 36. We have Anna the prophetess um, who, who saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and we, we read that, that she was the tribe of Asher. So she wasn't Jewish. She wasn't from Benjamin. She, she was from the tribe of Asher. In New Testament times, there were those of the tribe of Asher who were living in Jerusalem. So it seems to me to be probable that as we look at modern Israel, God is looking at the 12 tribes from God's perspective, the 12 tribes returning to the nation of Israel. Now, this will cut across the teaching of Armstrongism, as it's known, or British Israelism. British Israelism says that um, the people in America and the people of Northern Europe, particularly the English and others, are actually the 10 lost tribes of Israel. What happened to the 10 lost tribes? So really, we were all um, Israelites. But um, it's one of those things, I think, when you look for something, you're bound to find evidence to support it. But it doesn't seem to me to be either biblical or sensible to say that uh, we are the lost tribes, that the lost tribes aren't lost from God's perspective, that they are part of Judah or Judea today or, or, um, or Israel today, and that God is doing this. He's bringing his people, his back into the land of Israel and reconstituting Israel at this time. Um, and as I say, the commentators before Israel was ever reconstituted were saying this. And all that stuff, Laura, about the tribe of Dan. Yes, what happened to the tribe of Dan? Um, and, and so on. I could say more, but I'm not going to. I'm not an expert on that subject. But uh, the, uh, um, the tribe of Dan, which was um, different from the other tribes and very fierce and disappeared. Hmm. But God knows who his tribes are and where they are. Um, Israel has returned to a united land after nearly 2,000 years. And this um, is absolutely glorious to us. It's a sign that our salvation is nearer, that we should look up, that 
God's timetable is in progress, that everything that is happening is absolutely according to the will and timing of Almighty God, that the return of Jesus Christ is very soon. It's a sign that the end of the age is very, very near. So then the stick becomes one and the land has been restored. So we have these two things. We have the land and we have the people in the land. And we have those two things today. And we need to remember also, I suppose, that um, we could remember that uh, the Israel, when reconstituted, if we go back to verse 12 there, is it verse 12? Um, no, verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up, up, up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. When the whole of Israel is reconstituted in that way, they stand upon their feet, they become an exceeding great army. And Israel, although small among the nations, is an exceedingly great army today. Uh, if you follow the Watchman broadcast with Eric Stackelbeck, then uh, you'll be aware of day-to-day of events that are taking place in Israel, which may well be connected with biblical prophecy, the Watchman uh, broadcast with Eric Stackelbeck. And uh, this broadcast yesterday was, this is Israel preparing to fight on many fronts. Well, I don't know whether Israel is preparing to fight on many fronts, but it seems to me that God has made her an exceedingly great army um, at such a time as this. And... uh, um, the question is, is, is Israel preparing for war? There certainly seems that there will be great wars against Israel before the Lord Jesus returns. Again, um, we'll probably say more about that when we come on to Gog of Magog um, and the invasion of Israel. But today Israel is a sovereign Jewish nation surrounded by, on all sides by powerful enemies. Iran is a powerful enemy. Hezbollah is a, a powerful enemy. Hamas is a powerful enemy. Um, but she is a mighty military power and um, is prepared to defend herself. But she still isn't believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to, as I say, postpone the talk about um, about the depth about the depths of the salvation of Israel and its meaning for us. But basically, when Israel turns to Jesus Christ, when Israel turns to Great David's greatest son, then we find that um, we have. Um, that, that, that it, it, it is blessing for the whole earth and we'll look at that in the next talk but the land is currently not ruled over by the messiah jesus of course is the messiah and um there will come a time when all the jews will believe at one time on the lord jesus christ and we can look at that again uh, in the next talk but it says and my servant david shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd the lord's my shepherd um, and they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's servant David, shall be their prince forever. And um, they'll put away their idols. They'll put away their detestable things. They'll put away their unbelief. They'll put away their wickedness, their corruption. Uh, at this moment in time, Israel, as I understand it, is one of the most corrupt nations on earth in terms of its morality. Um, so I understand. Now, and I, again, uh, um, as I say, I want to address the question of, of, of can Jewish people at this time be saved by following Judaism? Now, I'm not an expert on modern Judaism, but I understand it's not the same as Judaism in the first century. But neither modern Judaism nor first century Judaism can save a person. The Jews who were saved in the first century were saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, And 
so therefore the Jews must come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're all saved in exactly the same way. We're saved by repentance of our sin and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. At the moment, Israel are not God's people. I will be their God and they shall be my people, verse 27 says. God will call them his people. They will become his people. He will um, He will turn them to himself. He will turn the Jews to himself to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the implications of this prophecy are that we're living in momentous times. Momentous times as Christians. And I still meet so many Christians who don't seem to be aware of that. If you go outside, you find people very perplexed. Why are there so many forest fires? Why is there global warming? Why are there pandemics? Why are why is there so much inflation and so on? But they don't seem to understand that we're living in momentous times, perplexing times, yes, difficult times, yes, but not momentous times. That everything is heading up towards the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the implications of this prophecy, if it refers to the Reformation, the restoration of Israel in 1948 and things that are taking place with the Jews in Israel today, the implications are that we are living in momentous times uh, and that we should look at what God is doing in Israel to understand this. The next implication is this, that the Jews in Israel, though not saved at the moment, they still have blindness in part. They're still uh, spiritually blinded, as uh, uh, which was God's doing they still um, look at the Lord Jesus Christ and cannot see that he is their Messiah that he has fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies but the implication is that the Jewish people will be saved they'll be saved in significant numbers now if you have read the directory for public worship I believe uh, that's which goes with the Westminster Confession of Faith that was put together by the Westminster Divines and held to by many Presbyterian churches you will find um, in that, uh, an injunction to that from every pulpit, every single week, uh, we should have prayer for the Jews and for the people of Israel. This was written hundreds of years before Israel returned to the nation. Now, I have to confess, I have almost never heard prayer for Israel in the pulpit of a church, whether it be Presbyterian or otherwise. Yet the Westminster divines said we should pray for Israel. We should pray for the Jews. The Jews should be beloved in our hearts and we should desire their salvation and we should long for them to be that day when they come to know and look upon their saviour whom they crucified, whom they pierced and born. Well, Pentecostals do, I didn't know that, Flora, but um, but we should be praying for the Jews um, every Sunday, it says. Now, I, I can't set myself forward as an example because I haven't made that a matter of public prayer myself very much and I can do that more but it's good for us to pray for Israel and we should pray for Israel and we should be praying for the salvation of the Jews um, and God is pleased with that and, and God blesses that and uh, God is working out his purposes in the Jews and I said before the Christians that I know tend to go from one extreme to another that there are Let's be careful what we say. Christians I know have a wide range of opinions on Israel. Some will say Israel can do no wrong. Israel can certainly do wrong. Um, others will say that God has no further purpose for Israel. But God has a great purpose for Israel uh, at this very end of times. Now, to say that God has no further purpose for Israel, I've heard men preaching and saying, well, the fact that Israel came into the land in 1948 was just happenstance. 
Um, it has nothing to do with Bible prophecy. I hope that Ezekiel 37 proves to us that it does have everything to do with Bible prophecy. But um, they say it has nothing to do with Bible prophecy and it just happened. Well, what? That amounts to saying that God is, 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 that, that, that God is not sovereign. Was God joking with us when Israel came back into the land? Was, did God somehow turn his back and overlook the fact that the Jews returned to the land? The only possible way that the Jewish people could return to the land of Israel is because God sent them there. And the only way they could still be there today and the only way they can remain there is if God is their defender, if he rises up on their behalf and defends them against his enemies. And there's no such thing as something that happens with any country anywhere in the world that happens apart from the hand of the sovereignty of Almighty God. And it, it seemed to me that the first time God brought them out of Egypt and then after 40 years brought them into the land of Canaan, which uh, became the land of Israel, that the, the first time God did it, this was extremely significant. And it's in the Old Testament and we read about it and we believe it. And, um, well, God has put them away at the moment, Andreas, but he will bring them back and he will restore them. Uh, and he is in the process of bringing to that point of restoring them to himself through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. I know not every Christian believes that. There are those Christians who believe they've been put away forever. But I'm hoping that Ezekiel 37 is telling us that because this refers to the land and it refers to the whole house of Israel and it refers to the ten tribes and the two tribes, that this is telling us about a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled that refers to Israel, the, 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 the seed of Abraham and the physical land. Um, in this, we can extend this um, this resurrection and this restoration and this revival and this um, regeneration um, and this eternal blessedness. We can extend that to ourselves, even if we are uh, Gentile Christians who were never Jews or members of the um, Commonwealth of Israel. But we 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 are or the, the literal um, sorry the descendants of Abraham. Um, I mean, the Commonwealth of Israel is the whole church, isn't it? We can apply the blessings of God and the promises of God in the Old Testament, which go to Israel. Most of those can be applied to us as Christians in the church. God is very concerned with his people, the church. He, the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church. Um, his interest is with his church. But tonight we're focusing on God's plans for Israel and how the remnant of the Jews will be brought into that church, um, brought back, redeemed, um, re-established and uh, awakened to their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, if the first time Israel came into the land, it was a time of great and extraordinary fulfillment of God's plan and purpose. Surely, surely we have to argue that if Israel has been reformed as a nation, reborn as a nation, this must be very significant. And we find all this in the scriptures. I don't see how we can dismiss that or, or put that away. Yet Israel at the moment remain unregenerate as a nation. Uh, as I say, we thank God for every Jewish person that finds the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. But um, God has put us on a level as Christians, Jewish and Gentile Christians. We're saved by the same Savior, and we're on a level. Um, and uh, there's no the Jewish people aren't um, superior to us um, in terms of salvation or in terms of race. They are blessed because unto them the oracles of God came, and they will be blessed in so much as God will take away the veil and, and save them in days to come. But in terms of salvation. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. We are all one in Christ Jesus. 
equally lost, equally saved in Jesus Christ when we repent of our sins and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So first of all, we are living in momentous times. Secondly, the Jews will be saved. I think that's the plain teaching. There is a national salvation of Israel, which I believe in here in Ezekiel 37. That means that some Jews, the elect Jews, will be saved. Um, Those who die without the Lord Jesus Christ do not have the salvation of God. And then this will be a national salvation. We've said that. And it will be a time of blessing for the whole earth. And I'm going to talk about that next time. But when the Jews are saved, um, Paul talks about this in Romans. um, What will be their gathering in? What will be their drawing in? What will be the effect of that? What blessings will the world have? What blessings will the... the, um, the world see when the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled and Jerusalem is no longer trampled underfoot and the Jews are converted and Jesus Christ returns. What blessings to the whole earth there will be then when that happens. So we as Christians should be very, very joyful at the thought there will be a national salvation of the Jews, that uh, there will be a national salvation of Israel and that God will turn his elect people of Israel to himself in, by the power of his Holy Spirit, um, he will breathe his life into them. The prophecy that Ezekiel has here, that he is to prophesy to the bones, um, which is yet to be fulfilled, prophesy unto them, Lord, uh, unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my people, I will open your graves and call you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, in the New Testament, um, we're told that the days are coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and live And I was dead and I heard the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ calling to me and I came to him and I lived. I was born again of God's Holy Spirit. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I found the salvation that came from God. That's the future of Israel. That's the future of Israel in the land. And of course, here it is talking about an eternal um, land, um, blessedness in the land um, with the Lord Jesus Christ reigning over them as their eternal king. Uh, And we're looking ahead then to the new heavens and the new earth, wherein righteousness dwell. So it'll be a blessing for the whole earth when the Jews are converted. And I will continue this next time. But the question is, are are you a Christian, Jew or Gentile? Are you a Christian? Gentile just means anybody who's not Jewish. Are you Jew or Gentile? Are you um, whichever nation you're from? Um, Somebody very kindly left a comment on on this youtube channel saying they're from ethiopia well the lord bless you from ethiopia you're very welcome here and i pray that the lord would bless you and his people in ethiopia Uh, and i i I pray that people would be awakened within the ethiopian orthodox church also because that church has departed from the truth as i understand it uh, and that there would be a revival and that people would come to know jesus christ and trust him alone and put away the worship of saints and relics and salvation by works to salvation by faith alone in jesus christ alone so are you a christian some jewish people even now know the lord jesus christ as their savior i knew a um flora you you know you 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 know very you know a great deal about that church you've experienced it firsthand and um that makes them sound like the they're obsessed with Mary, like like the Roman Catholic Church, and worshiping the Queen of Heaven, like the Roman Catholic Church. But Flora, I know that you have a personal experience of um, of that church, and uh, I respect what you have to say about it because you know you've seen it with your own eyes. And there's very many of them. Mm. But what about you, my friends? Jew or Gentile? Um, I, when I first became a Christian many many years ago, um, forty one years ago, I met a wonderful Jewish 
Christian and he was going by a pseudonym of Roy at the time because he was being um, uh, allegedly persecuted. But he went to Israel and he was on fire for the Lord and everywhere he went, he would say in a loud voice, Jesus of Nazareth is the Jewish Messiah. He wanted to be a witness. He wanted to be a testimony. So he lifted up his voice and um, to the Jews who were around him, he would say, Jesus of Nazareth is the Jewish Messiah because he had found Jesus Christ to be the Jewish Messiah. And I also found the Lord Jesus Christ to be my saviour from all sin. And he came into my life and saved me. And what about what about if, if, if Israel are blinded in part? What about your blindness? You are drawn to hear the teaching of God's word. You are drawn to hear this gospel, but you can't see that Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world or the Jewish Messiah. You can't see that you need him. You are blinded by your sin because you belittle your sin. Your heart makes you belittle your sin and you say, well, my sin isn't that bad. And the Holy Spirit must convict you of your sin. Then you'll see clearly when you see the wickedness of your own heart, you'll see your need of Jesus Christ. But because of your hardness of heart, you can't see it. You need your heart melting by the word of God and by the power of God. And because of your unbelief, although we clearly, for example, have this plain testimony in Ezekiel 37 of the power, majesty, glory um, and uh, saviourhood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Jewish Messiah, you won't have that and you won't have him. It's your unbelief. It's your wicked unbelief. And it is wickedness. Unbelief is counted as the very chief of sins. That you will not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, although God has set him before us as the saviour of the world. Well, you need to repent of your sin and look to the one who paid the penalty for sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to die on the cross and die in the place of both Jew and Gentile, that whosoever believed on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus is not only the saviour of believing Jews, believing Jews like Paul and Peter and James and John and the Marys and, um, and Martha and other Christian women, that Jesus was the salvation of many Jews in his own day. And he has been the salvation of multitudes since. And there are multitudes in the world today who name the name of Jesus Christ as their saviour. But do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour from sin? Have you believed on him? Have you looked to him? Have you turned to him? And they shall uh, dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, verse 25, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children. And my servant shall be their prince forever. Hallelujah. Jesus will be their prince. He will be our prince forever. He will reign over us forever with his righteous rule in glory, in majesty, in joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Because there's great joy in knowing Jesus, but the joys to come are greater by far. So I hope that I've made a case for the Jews returning to their land. And I hope I've made a case for this being the whole house of Israel, and I hope I made a case for this being taking place in our days, and I hope I made a case for the future salvation of the Jews, which I'm going to return to next time, again, before we get on to chapter 38, which is Gog and Magog. But by God's grace, we are living in prophetic times, and God is working, and um, how how we delight in the Lord Jesus, how we delight in David, God's servant, and um, if he isn't 
prince over Israel. Let him be prince in your heart, prince in my heart, king of your heart, king of my heart, the one who reigns over us and 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 whose um, uh, we who whose will we delight to do. We put away our idols and we rejoice to to keep his word. And we uh, we we trust in him with all our hearts. We look to him with all our hearts. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, we pray that you would bless Israel. We pray, Father, that you would bless the Jews. We pray you bless every believing Jew, Lord. We pray you bless every effort to take the gospel to unbelieving Jews, Lord. We pray that the blindness in part would depart from the Jewish people. We pray, Lord, that their eyes would be opened. uh, And we long for that day when all Israel shall be saved. Lord, we long for that day when David, their prince, will reign over them. And we know that, David. We know who that is. We know that that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we already know him in our hearts and lives. And we rejoice and thank you, Lord Jesus, our beloved Savior, that you will um, reign over the Jews and that the that the bones that have been reconstituted and those who have been brought back from out of the heathen nations to the land of Israel, Lord, that one day uh, these um, bodies will have the spiritual life, the um, the Holy Spirit in them, and they'll be regenerated and born again and brought to a saving faith, and the, the, the scales will fall from their eyes, and they will see the Lord Jesus as he is in all his glory and majesty and dominion and power. And so, Father, we pray that you bless Israel, bless Jerusalem, Lord, that the Jews would repent of their sins and turn to you and find mercy in your eyes. Lord, we also pray for gospel efforts to the Arab nations and other nations, Lord, for we know that there will be those who are saved out of every tribe and tongue and nation. And Lord, if they're um, and we've been saved out of the tribes and the nations, Lord, and the tongues. Uh, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that um, that you brought Jew and Gentile together and we thank you, Father, that um, that we have become one in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we ask that you give us understanding of your word. Give us understanding of the prophecy and scriptures, Lord. And whether we agree with one another or not, Lord, help us all to be diligent in our searching the scriptures and our reading of these uh, prophetic passages, Lord, so that we will be well versed and um, that the scriptures would dwell in us richly and with all wisdom. Help us also, Lord, to be gracious to one another when we disagree So, Father, we look for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the time is near, that the days are very short, and we ask that we might stand firm and overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. We ask for the forgiveness of our sins, trusting in him alone. This we ask and pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So, Flora, I think, sorry, thank you very much for listening. Flora, I think you you would agree that God has done a great work in those who've been rescued out of the um, Orthodox Church, as well as those who've been rescued from Roman Catholicism. Um, is, is that is that correct? Sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody on the, on the spot if they don't want to don't want to speak, but. Um, it was somebody, it was somebody um, else who told me um, that we should be burdened for the Orthodox people and pray for them. Thank you, um, Mia. Welcome. Um, well, you missed you missed a bit of a hiccup at the start. So, um, Flora, the Lord has done great things for you and for every one of us here who knows the Lord Jesus. But, but thank God that He called you um, to the truth, uh, and thank God that He called each one of us to the truth as well. Um, Alex, if you've got a question, please, you're welcome to ask it. 
or anybody else is welcome to ask a question or say something. If you vehemently disagree with me, I'm quite happy for you to say so. Um, uh, Alex, I think you said that, uh, Andreas, you said that uh, um, God had cast off the Jews, and he has for a season, but not forever, I believe. But uh, but I know Christians who believe that God has no further plans for Israel, but, but I don't see how you can believe that in the current age um, in view of biblical prophecy. Uh, yes. So uh, thank you, Gavin. Alex, Dr. David, what is right to go to a church where it's right, Dr. David, it seems behaves like dead or to go to an Arminian? Well, I think uh, one of the things that's said is, is people go where they get fed. The, the cattle go where the grass is green, basically. They go where they get fed. Now, um, I am willing to go to a church where I disagree with a lot of secondary matters if I get fed. And what happened to me over many years was that being a Baptist, I'm, I'm not a Presbyterian or, or like Pre I like Presbyterianism, but I'm not a Presbyterian and certainly not a Peter Baptist that for many years I worshipped in Presbyterian churches and they did me good. And the reason they did me good was because their ministers, the ministers of the churches I went to, were thoroughly dedicated to the expository preaching of the word of God. And I love being there. Um, uh, and um, people will go where they get fed. So we have to decide on... <sighs> I would rather go to a church where I disagree with a number of things, where I get fed or, or encouraged or stirred up and where... The determination is to is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in a church that agrees with everything I agree with, but the ministry doesn't doesn't bring me closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. E each of us is going to have to decide for ourselves what we do. I wouldn't want to go to a church that teaches heresy or denies the gospel or rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, if you went to the Roman Catholic Church, for example, uh, and by extension the Orthodox Church, then you would be in a situation where you couldn't serve the Lord and they couldn't preach the gospel and you would have to come out in order to serve the lord jesus christ if you were a muslim of course you wouldn't and you became a christian of course you'd have to leave islam and that could put you in very serious trouble with the muslims but also you might find that you were alone and dependent and cast upon the lord and you can read the testimonies of those who were in that situation and how god helped them um there was a book i dared to call him father um and uh, that was a testimony of a woman who became a Christian in Pakistan. And there are other testimonies, but God is sovereign in the way he deals in our lives, Alex. Um, well, I, 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 one of the things I feel is this, and it has happened to me too. One of the things I think is this, is that, that too many of us are not going to a church because the churches aren't good enough for us. And if you're not going to a church... I mean, physically going to a church, then you're you're missing out, and you're missing out on really important things. And I think some of us um, have set the bar too high, or I think some of us too easily leave churches that we could stay in if we were prepared to disagree graciously with some of the things that go on. And some of us have no church we can worship in, and there are churches just down the road or just across the road, and people tell us off, and they say, "Well, why can't?" Well, Jason, I get annoyed with some aspects of every church. Um, and um, I expect people to be annoyed with me teaching the things that I teach. But um, but this is the church. This is what we are. But I think there are some people who live next to evangelical churches who don't go to church. And they're very heavily criticized, but it's not their fault. They have reasons which before God are acceptable. 
one of the problems we have in the church is and um, the problem that we have in our own heart is human nature we've all we're all beset by it we're beset with weakness we're beset with our sin nature and that means that um not only our church is not perfect but we're not and it's a struggle and it's a fight and it's difficult but i want to be in a church where i get fed and the first thing is this are they is there expository teaching of god's word is the focus on the word of god that's that's what i would look for first Another church I want to be part of is a church I can help and use my gifts to help. Um, my case, teaching gifts, but we all have different gifts. I want to be involved in the church. I want to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't just want to be pew fodder. I don't just want to sit there and do nothing. And this, this is a big problem for many men in churches that they don't get used. The gifts don't get used. If you're not an elder or a deacon, then you're just expected to sit there and our churches can do so much more. We can be so much more active, so much more fervent in, in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think men want to serve God and women do too, but women have their own ways of serving God. And um, I think perhaps not always now, but men can sometimes who want to serve God can sometimes be perceived as a threat to the leadership and, and, and that can be a problem. But with women, um, they're not perceived necessarily as such a threat to the leadership. So, um, so it may not be such a problem but men want to serve god i want to serve god i want to go to a church where i can get fed but i also want to go to a church where i can serve where i can be a blessing where i can be an encouragement where i can talk about the lord jesus christ to others and they talk to me about the lord jesus christ well one of the things i think about the churches today is there's so little talk about the lord jesus christ and that's a sign that we need revival we need the holy spirit to fire us up so that it, you know remember remember um peter and uh, john saying to the sanhedrin we cannot but talk about the things we've seen and heard and it's not that we um should try to talk about jesus it's looking for a situation where we can't not talk about jesus as christians we come and say i love the lord jesus and the other christians don't raise their eyebrows and thought what's what's wrong with him but they, they say, well, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, too. And, and, and I, I really want to talk to you about Jesus. And today the Lord Jesus did this for me and the Lord Jesus did that for me. And even 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 um, when the computer um, blew a gasket earlier, I found this <laughs> a drinks mat on my desk, which said exactly what I needed to hear with all the technology going wrong. Uh, rejoice always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. So when the technology goes poof. I'll look at the drinks mat and I'll say thank you Lord for putting that on my desk um, so yes a church where I can be fed but a church where I can serve um, and uh, remember that love covers a multitude of sins so we will put up with a lot in a church um, I, I won't I won't habitually sit under a ministry of a woman minister there's lots of women ministers in, in the UK but I won't because I believe that's a turning away from the word of God that that woman might be a Christian, um, but the church has, in the face of strong evidence, the church has decided that it can do better, and that, that I don't find helpful. So um, women have their own gifts, abilities, which can be th thoroughly, fully, totally, powerfully, and gloriously used for God's glory. Um, all of us have enough work to do for the Lord within our own sphere, within our own, with our own gifts, and with our own um, things that God has given us to do for Him. And uh, as godly men and godly women, <sighs> ridiculous is one word for it, but it's also disobedience to the Lord and it quenches the Holy Spirit. So you won't get a Holy Spirit filled ministry from a female minister. You can't because she's disobeying the Lord. Um, 
no disrespect to women, um, uh, it seems absurd to me that anybody would be jealous of the ministry. Uh, um, it, most men aren't called to the ministry. Um, which Jesus, so well, which Jesus um, have you been taught about? Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible, the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, um, the one who became flesh and dwelt among us, the one who died on the cross of Calvary and was raised from the dead, the one who's on the throne of heaven today, the one who's coming again in glory to reign over the heavens and the earth and to bring in the final judgment. Jesus is God. Jesus is the saviour of the world. He's God and man and he's the saviour of the world. Sulu, thank you for asking the question, Sulu. Um, so we believe those things with all our heart and those things are a cause of rejoicing for us. May the Lord quicken us. May the Lord quicken every one of us. Father, I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on each one of us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit in you. Thrill us with the things of the Lord Jesus Christ and give us um, a, um, a heart to say we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard so that the Lord Jesus Christ would be made known to the very ends of the earth by people just such as us. Oh, Father, revive us, we ask and pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Are there any other questions or comments? Um, well, yes, HW, women should not wear bishop's clothing, and really mention either. Clem, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Saviour, Micaiah, thank you, Doctor. Well, thank you, Micaiah. Micaiah, yeah, Micaiah, Micaiah. Wonderful name, Micaiah. I like it. Very good. Yeah. Thank you, Flora, and everybody else who's listening. The Lord bless and be with you um, in Jesus' name. Now, God willing, um, I'm hoping to come back um, in three days' time on Monday to to uh, continue this series. I say God willing because it does depend upon His will. Um, and uh, but I might try and put up some small videos to try and get the technology right in the meantime. You saw some of you saw my video on um, a she bear robbed of her cubs or robbed of her whelps, um, and I feel very strongly about those things. And that's just happened to, to be something which I couldn't not do. It's really, really important. Thank you to those of you who listened to that one as well. Amen. The Lord be with us all. Amen.